0: cocaine in the white house y'all but the nsa is spying on us throw out your ben and jerry's sound of freedom beats out indiana jones at the box office and the left is mad. 800 million more to ukraine and americans should get mad tucker talks to russell brand and it was an excellent chat the maga king goes to the Dairy Queen. (laughs) I'm not kidding (laughs) y'all. I'm Mimi, this is a very short rundown because summer and there's no news. Funny how that works out. Get ready for another excellent episode over at Politics Plus Podcast. Here we go. And don't forget to subscribe to our Rumble channel. We don't need to rewrite the constitution.
1: You need to reread the constitution.
0: You are now listening to Politics Plus Podcast. What truly matters is not which party controls our government but whether our government is controlled by the people hello and welcome to another episode of politics plus podcast where we talk about the hard conversations plus a little bit of politics make sure you subscribe to rumble spotify apple and itunes and make sure you hit that like button i'm your host larissa As always, bringing you the conspiracies that turn into truth six months later. I'm here joining me with my special guest, Kelly. Kelly is a former abortion worker and now the Outreach Director of And Then There Were None and Pro Love Ministries, two great programs that help young women and families understand other options to life. How are you, Kelly?
1: I'm doing well, Larissa. How are you? I'm good.
0: Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: well i um am married i have six amazing children ages 6 to 15. um i well, like you said i work for two ministries and then there were none in pro love ministries which some people may have heard of a lady named abby johnson she was the founder of those two ministries um and so i worked for her i came on with her ministries three years ago first as a client because like you said i am a former abortion worker um, and I, you know, was in the pro-life movement for many years and, and realized that there was an area that I hadn't been healed from. I told my story. My story covers everything from at three being molested by a relative. At 12, I was raped by a guy I went to high school with. At 15, I had my first oh. abortion. I had four subsequent abortions after that. I worked at the abortion facility where I had one of my abortions, struggled with eating disorders and homosexuality. Basically, you name it, I dealt with that. And I'd gotten healing in all of those areas, but the one area I had not gotten healing in was working in the abortion industry. And so I found Abby after the movie Unplanned and her ministry and and came on first as a client and then on staff. And now I work with her. I'm going to conferences. I travel the country sharing my story and testify for pro-life legislation. So as you know, with Roe versus Wade being overturned, um, it's now no longer a national issue. It is now 50 different states have issues. And so I help testify for pro-life legislation and against uh, anti-life legislation.
0: Well, that's awesome. You know, it's always good to have people like you that have gone through it and experienced it so that you have a little bit of knowledge and experience in this. Because a lot of people, when you go talk to them, they act like you don't know what you're talking about and you haven't been through that. So I applaud you with all your work that you've done. Um, It's hard to do that. It's hard to come out and talk about it. I noticed that because I've had abortion myself. And when I go to talk to people, they act like they're the only one. And I'm glad there's people like you and me that are here to let them know that they're not, they're not the only one. So um, I do, I do have some questions for you.
1: Go ahead. No. Well, I think Larissa that one of the differences that we found with the ministry and then there were none, which, and then there were none is only to abortion workers. So Abby Johnson was a former Planned Parenthood director. She saw an ultrasound guided abortion, became a pro-life advocate. And she recognized that people that work in the abortion industry, while women who have abortion stories are incredibly important to hear their stories and very impactful. Many of them like myself, I was sedated during my appointment. And so I honestly don't remember Mm -hmm. what happened. You know, I have the trauma of being a mom and then having that, you know, taken from me, but I don't remember what happened. Us as abortion workers we know what's going on behind those doors. We know what's happening where you know pr- where prescriptions are being prescribed when they shouldn't be, where malpractice is happening, where there's not informed consent, where rapists are being covered and hidden, where sex traffickers are being hidden. And so as a worker, we have a very unique perspective. And then most of us, quite honestly, are also women who have an abortion story. So we have a spe- yeah. specifically unique story and um, side that has proven really powerful, not only in testimony and in pro-life legislation, but really changing kind of the, the dynamic of the pro-life movement because of the truths that we get to tell. So, um, I, you know, I, I sympathize with you with your abortion story and, um, you know, and I'm thankful that you're willing to speak up about it as well. Yeah.
0: It t- it took a while but it, you know I yeah. eventually got there which actually leads me to my first question is mm-hmm. I want to know how many lives have you helped change their stance on getting abortion.
1: Who well that it's hard to know because I um I I do a lot of things so I am the Sidewalk Advocates for Life I don't know some people may know that that organization. Um that is an organization that trains advocates to stand outside of abortion facilities um, and peacefully, Uh prayerfully be an advocate for women and men that are going into the abortion industry. Um, So I oversee the Richmond area, which we have five abortion facilities in the Richmond area. And so I help train that um, and go to the sidewalk and talk to women one-on-one and men one-on-one. And you know, sometimes a woman will not have the appointment that day, but you don't know what she ends up deciding down the road. Um, through the ministry, mm-hmm. certainly have had um, direct conversations with women. I, I mean, I, one of my favorite stories, we, the ministry, Pro Love Ministries, has, a, has a, like a support line called Love Line. And so women that need support, that are abortion vulnerable, that are considering abortion, that have young children that need help, they contact us and we connect them with local resources. So there was one day where I was seeing the line, which I didn't usually do because of my job. I just was kind of filling in. And I get this message and this girl is saying, I have an abortion appointment today. And so I immediately responded (laughs) and said, Hey, you know, uh, can I call you? Because I didn't want to text with her, you know? And I said, so can I call you? And she said, yes. So I call her, I ask her what her name is and I tell her my name. And as soon as I say my name, she starts crying. And I'm like, we'll call her Heather. And I said, Heather, you know, what's going on? Why are you crying? And she said, my mom's name is Kelly. And my mom is here and she is going to take me, was going to take me to my abortion appointment. But I told her, let's pray and ask God if I'm not supposed to do this, that he sends a sign. And I think that your name being Kelly is that sign. And then we continued talking and she had, Um, five children. So was now pregnant with her six. I have six children. So there was all these things that it was like the, the Lord ordained me at that moment. I know it was, I was like, I hung up the phone. I was like, you know, I was freaking out because it wasn't what I usually did, but the Lord ordained that. Um, I've definitely had conversations. I love anti-protesters because of my experience. I can speak to them in a way that a lot of people can't. And I've had a lot of people say, Okay. I'm still pro-choice, but I want to think about this. I want to think about what you said about that. I agree with this statement. And so, you know, you never know what the Lord's going to use to change somebody's heart or what seeds are going to be sown to change things. I travel and speak. I've spoken at over 50 different pregnancy resource centers and events over the year. And so you never know, you know, you never know who in that audience was Pregnant and had an abortion appointment or whose friend was pregnant and they spoke to him. So, you know, I don't know exact number, but I believe that the Lord has me doing this because I was put in this place for such a time as this and he's using my testimony.
0: Well, you can relate to a lot of them too, because with my experience, when I went to go get the abortion, I was too far along and didn't realize. So I had to go and take another appointment to be put to sleep. And as I was Mm. leaving, I did have some protesters out there Mm. calling me hateful names and throwing baby socks at me. So like when you come at somebody like that, you're not going to change anybody's mind. But when you have someone like you, who's been there and done that and using the word of God, I think that gets through to them. And actually changes their mind instead of someone being so hateful you know
1: so yeah you know I'm, yeah, i always... i
0: think you are here for that reason
1: <laughs> yeah i always tell because i have people ask me you know what do you think about talking about god or what do you think about the pictures the images on the sidewalk out of an abortion facility and i it's <laughs> one time i was talking and i really feel like the lord gave me this picture but he said you know if, if there was somebody who was drowning in the ocean and they're drowning and swimming all around them are sharks you're not going to yell at them. There's are sharks in the water. there's are sharks in the water. You're going to give them a life jacket. You're going to give them a ring. You're going to get them on the boat and then say, hey, yeah. I know you didn't know this, but there were sharks in the water, you know, and sometimes- yeah. A lot of pro-life advocates that are really well-meaning, I mean, they have the best hearts, will do things that honestly, they're yelling about there being sharks in the water and they really need to get these ladies on the boat. And I had the same experience. There was nobody there to help me. They were just telling me I was a murderer. I was going to hell as an abortion worker. There was nobody saying there were resources to get you out. And unfortunately, those people drove me quicker into the abortion facility then the people that, which I didn't experience this, but I imagine if somebody was there saying, Hey, we, you're a drug addict. We can help you. You're in domestic violence. We can help you. You're 15 and pregnant. We can help you. Yelling at me that I was a murderer yeah. just made me like emboldened and I went in quicker. So hopefully Larissa, that's part yeah, of what we're doing sure. is changing that.
0: Yeah. I feel, I feel the same way that you did. Cause they, like I said, it, it didn't change my mind. I still went and did what I did. So um I, I think that's just amazing, and you are here from you know from God. So, one of my other questions is, um, do you feel Planned Parenthood? I know you didn't work with Planned Parenthood; you worked with a private organization. Mm-hmm. But Planned Parenthood is the number one um, abortion clinic out there. I'm from L.A., and uh, there's a Planned Parenthood on every corner, like 7-Eleven. So I want to know, do you feel Planned Parenthood attacks the black community? Because their original name was The Negro Project, and it was owned by Margaret Sanger, I believe her last name was, Mm -hmm. who wanted to depopulate the black community. So Mm -hmm. do you feel that they do attack the black community or just within the city? Or how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I think they they attack everyone. (laughs) I think that the purpose of Planned Parenthood is to destroy the image of God and to destroy the family. And they do that through abortion. The new thing that Planned Parenthood is doing is they are doing gender transition, hormone therapy. They're doing all of that stuff because gay people don't reproduce, (laughs) you know, because trans (laughs) people are not the image of God. And so ultimately, that's what it comes down to specifically Margaret Sanger, there is no question that her primary point in what she did in establishing Planned Parenthood was eugenics, was to destroy the black and brown population. In fact, you may not know this, Mm -hmm. but one of the ways that she did that was in the city of New York, she went to black pastors in the city and said, if you are having a tent meeting, a tent revival, I will fund your tent meeting. If I can put a tent as people come into your tent meeting and as they come in, I give them information about Planned Parenthood and abortion. And so she basically brought the black African-American church under her and made them quite honestly slaves to her initiative, which was killing the black and Brown people. And there's no doubt that it is strategic Um, Again, I did not work for Planned Parenthood, but And Then There Were None has over 650 former abortion workers, everything from major Planned Parenthoods in major cities to small towns with small abortion providers. And the thing that is across the board systemic is that people of color are treated differently than people that are white. It's just, the, it's just the reality in the industry. And it is targeted to those people. You even hear things now where the pro-choice side will say things like, people of color need abortion so that they can succeed. People of color need abortion because there's not people to help them with this and that and these things. And so they are saying that people of color are targeted for abortion because they need it not even realizing, I think, that what they are saying is quite honestly racist and quite honestly targeting those people. So it doesn't take you very much digging to find out that it is definitely targeted to those people. And of course, because it was founded on that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I always say. It's like, you can change the name, but you can't change the ideology of what Planned Parenthood was originally about. And it's sad because, you know... Planned Parenthood is in within our cities and who lives within those cities are mostly black and brown, you know, minorities. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like they are targeted um, the most and even statistics show that they are, you know. Um, but I, I feel like, yeah, you're right. They do try to get rid of the nuclear family and, and all that. So uh, yeah, there's my a next question that- is why
1: do you? There's a statistic that says in the city, there's a statistic that says in the city of New York, more African-American babies were aborted than born. And that, yeah, the city of New York, I that's that. other cities too. Where I live here in Virginia, Virginia Beach, there are more black babies that are aborted than are born. The the population rate of children of color is actually going down and they are directly correlating that to abortion. So it's working. Unfortunately, <laughs> their their strategy is working.
0: Well, you know, it's like with that too, you can tie that in with the music that people listen to and how people just go out and have fun and, and don't take responsibilities. And, you know, and then they end up pregnant and, oh, it's easier to get an abortion. And yeah you know it's it's really sad, so yeah i totally I totally agree with that it's It's horrible, and um that's why we're here to change it, right That's right, so my next question is, um why do you feel our society doesn't give easier and better options rather than abortion as far as adoption and making
1: adoption affordable? Oh, I think because it's messy, <laughs> quite honestly, the simple fact yeah. is it's it's messy and i, I have people I, again i travel around the country i do conferences and i will have people that come up to me all the time and they'll say if you ever meet a woman who wants to give up her child i will take her child i'll take the baby which i understand their sentiment yeah. i understand they have well meaning hearts my response is always hey i have a lot of young moms that really need a mom and they would be amazing parents if they had somebody walk alongside of them So what if instead of taking a baby, you took a mom and a baby, you became a grandma, you became an auntie, you know, you did that. It's like, Oh no, 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 I don't want that. That's too much trouble. That's too much drama. That's too hard. And, and, adoption is hard adoption is messy adoption is a trauma yeah quite honestly adoption is a trauma yes it is a beautiful there is beautiful things that come out of it but it is a broken it was not what was originally intended well the process through it too oh well yeah you talk about ethical abortion that's another adult services child services Absolutely. Yeah, we so one of the other things that the ministry pro love ministries does is we, you know, again, we help women in crisis. And so we have social workers all the time that contact us, where women have had their babies, and the adoption agency has come in and basically taken that child. And it's like child trafficking, where a lot of times, um, immigrants, who are, you know, undocumented, who don't speak the language have been transported across state lines, which is totally illegal, have been put in these places that are subpar living situations given no money given no health care given no any kind of care and then as soon as they deliver their baby is taken from them they don't even know the words that they're signing and this baby goes to live with this million dollar family with this wonderful life and everybody's perspective is well this is a better choice for that child money's not the only thing in this you know and so part of what we need to be fighting for is we need to be fighting for ethical adoption Yes, I agree that we need to have resources and help for finances because adoption is crazy expensive and the moms, the birth moms are not the ones that are getting that money. It's going to these agencies, you know, so ethical adoption is something that's really important and also care, care for these birth moms because these moms are giving birth. Which is and then placing their child with another family, the most incredible gift you could ever do for somebody and then being left and being left in the hospital with no baby, with an empty womb, with no care, with no finances, with no therapy, with no anything. And, you know, most of the time, these women go back and get pregnant again. They have a makeup baby because they feel that loss or they go right back into the system of drug addiction or abuse or whatever it was that started. And so it needs to be a much better system. There is a great organization called Abiding Love Charities, um, and they focus on the birth mom. They do adoption really well. They are limited in the states that they do that. But I think, you know, I think adoption is a beautiful thing. I have lots of friends that have adopted and lots of families that have been made. But we need to do better as a society of not just funding it, but making sure that mm-hmm. it is ethical and it is um, everybody involved is taking care.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, because like you said, it does tie into a lot of child trafficking. And I really do believe oh, abortion absolutely. has a huge impact impact on child trafficking which we're going to talk about a lot more in part two but um i really do feel that that's their main source of child trafficking that's why you got a lot of people coming over the border too because they don't have papers and once you come over with no papers you're easily lost easily lost so um my other my other question is what number of abortions have you witnessed that one individual has had, and do you feel that women use it as birth control?
1: Oh, 100%. I used it as birth control, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there, was a, there was a thing that Students for Life posted. It's been months and months ago, but it had a picture of two people's feet, obviously a girl and a boy, and they were obviously getting ready to engage. And it said, if abortion was not an option, would you still do this? or would you still do this in the same way or something like that and i thought wow that's really clever because the reality is you wouldn't most people would not they would use protection or they would think twice about it um the most that i ever witnessed uh, as a you know as a worker was a woman who had had 10 um but it's definitely used by many women as as birth control especially now with the chemical abortion um that is a quote unquote more natural quote unquote safer Um, process, which is absolutely 100% not true. But that's what it's being told to them. That's what it's being sold to them. Um, And so yeah, it is being used as birth control. Um, And most women that have 50% of women that have one abortion will have two, three, for abortions. And so you have to think yeah. about that as well. That's why abortion healing is so important because you may not be able to get, you know, you may not be able to stop that first abortion, but after a woman's had that first abortion, if we can get her healed, we will lessen the number of abortions because inevitably they won't have a second or third or fourth. So it's very common. It's very prevalent. We called them frequent flyers. That's, that was what we named those ladies that were coming yeah. in and out um you know but i can't have a lot of judgment cuz quite honestly i was one of those ladies so um i understand yeah
0: yeah Well, i was sitting there in the waiting room i was talking to some of the girls in there cuz obviously you're scared you don't know what is going on and your mind just got so many emotions going on and i was talking to a girl and she told me that she, this was her 24th abortion wow. And I should have got up and walked out then, but I just, you know, wasn't in the right state of mind, but it really blew me away and it stuck with me through all these years that, that someone could go through so many like that and not come to the realization that it's, you're killing the baby and, it's it's just sad that people just feel like it's it's a warp being removed, you know, and that's that's blamed on our society with uh, TV and celebrities and music mm-hmm. and you know not having God in our lives. So it's it's just a a sad thing to hear. It really is. Yeah, and so there's, always, I do, like saying, like there's I do like I said, I
1: applaud you. In every waiting room, people I think envision the waiting room of being this like quiet, somber place where women are like conflicted on their decision. And that is true to a point. But there's this weird camaraderie that happens in that waiting room. And there is always a woman who steps up almost like the mom. She's the woman who's had two or three or five or 10 or whatever the number is. And she will start consoling the other women and saying, it's okay, honey, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna do fine. And so it's this strange dynamic that happens. You know, like what you were talking about, that is very common that one of the women in the waiting room will step up and step forward in that and, you know, and step into that place. And, you know, our society, you're right. Our society has made it so common and so practical. I I follow a bunch of like screenwriters guilds and things. And I watched this whole episode where they were teaching and training screenwriters, actors, directors, on how to portray abortion in films, movies, and TV. And what to say and what to not say and what to do and what to not do. And if anybody watches Grey's Anatomy, you will get the play-by-play example of that. Everything from ectopic pregnancy yeah. to, you know, somebody having a miscarriage to the way pro-lifers are, you know, and. And the way chemical abortion is, and and it's very calculated, it is, do not think that this is happening by accident. Do not think that the pro-choice side is not very wise. (laughs) They are very well-funded and they are very calculated. And everything that they are doing is targeting our young people and our women to make them believe the lie that abortion is natural, abortion is good for them, abortion is empowering, and abortion is safe. And we are Mm -hmm. seeing it Everywhere, so that's like you said. That's why we've got to talk about it.
0: Well, that actually leads to my next question: Is do you feel abortions and the whole process have a demonic, satanic side to
1: it? One hundred percent. Simple, quick, easy answers. One hundred percent. I can tell you yes. to just give you a little bit more into that. As an abortion worker, there was a unspoken rule that you never enter. Or leave the abortion facility by yourself. And that was not because of pro life people. That was because of what went on in those places supernaturally. Wow. And I can tell you stories of abortion directors, you know, burning sage and doing all kinds of things, talking to fairies, you know, clapping to fairies and all kinds of very, very weird demonic things. And there is a tangible demonic darkness that you can feel. I mean, it's almost like putting your hand in a steamy shower and pulling it out the darkness versus the the light. So it is absolutely demonic. It is absolutely satanic. It is absolutely antichrist. And yeah, and any abortion worker, whether they are a believer or not, will tell you that that's the fact.
0: Yeah, I know. I know for sure it's 100 percent because when I go and I talk about my experience, it it was very demonic. And I went through things Mm -hmm. that were very scary and nobody helped me or were concerned about the things that I was going through and feeling at that time. They just Mm -hmm. kept going on to abort the baby. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait to talk about that because I agree with you. It is very demonic. It's very mm-hmm. satanic. And, um, a lot of people don't see that side because they don't have God, you know? So I hope to bring awareness to that because that's what really scared the shit out of me, to be honest with you. Once I went through that experience a, and nobody cared about me.
1: Yeah. If you do a quick it was, Google it was search, very. If you do a quick Uh Google search, you will see the satanic church promoting abortion as a satanic ritual. Like, it's not like they're hiding it. Like, it's so for us as believers, or even if you're not a believer, if you're agnostic or atheist or whatever you might think that you are, to think that that's not like they're not hiding that that is the reality. And to think that you are going to sacrifice your child, which ultimately that's what abortion is. You are sacrificing your child for your own desires, for your own wants, for whether it be a career or whether it be I'm 15 and don't want to tell my parents and I want to go to college or whether it be, I don't want to get off drugs or I don't want to leave the domestic violence situation or whatever it is, you are sacrificing your child. And to think that that could not have a demonic repercussion you're a fool i mean honestly like not, i hate to be rude but you're a fool if you think that that's not the same thing and so i'm really sorry that well, you know, you nobody have to came around to go to you.
0: through that you yeah you kind of have to acknowledge that to start the healing process because that's what happened Absolutely. for me like i had to realize that was a very demonic um process <laughs> okay now we're at the mega questions where you must ask gotta answer so these okay. are questions from our producers so the first one is, what is the one procedure, instance, or patient that broke you and made you change your occupation?
1: Well, um, the, I'll give kind of a general because it wasn't a one for me. Um, I, as the receptionist, that's what I did in the abortion facility, my, one of my roles was the recovery room. And so the number of women that I saw in the recovery room that were hemorrhaging, from perforated uteruses perforated bowels perforated cervixes and when that happened our procedure was to take them back to the procedure room give them more of the um, the medication and then let them go and never tell them what happened to them and i was very much a pro-choice and and actually after i left the abortion industry was still pro-choice but i believed that women should be able to have children and i knew that many of these women after this procedure not only were they ending their pregnancy that day but many of them would never be able to become children again and i had had abortions in that in that facility so i actually went and looked at my file to see if that had happened to me because it was so common i thought that it was probably likely that it had so that not your exact answer, but that gives you a basic
0: <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who um did the pill where she because oh. I'm in Tennessee, so it's not uh legal here. You got to go to either Nashville or you know one of the major cities and uh she got a pill delivered to her to her house yes. and she took it, and she had to get a blood transfusion and everything almost died yeah. almost died yeah. so that's it's
1: very it's very common and we're going to see more of that and i've had i told you i've had four abortions i've had two first trimester one second trimester and one by chemical the pill and Uh my chemical abortion was by far the most traumatic and the most scary and the most painful i actually had to move from where i was living because of the experience so it is not natural it is like not like a tylenol it is not easy it is very dangerous it is very scary and it is not under the it is not between a woman and her doctor Because doctors are not even involved. They're getting them from India and Mexico and all of these crazy places. And for parents, this is another thing. If you are a parent, know that the local abortion facility is not on the corner in a brick and mortar Planned Parenthood. It is your bathroom. It is your kid's school. It is potentially your church. And so we have to be very aware of what's going on.
0: Yeah. You could get it by mail. Like that's so, absolutely. that's so crazy that, you know, and even if someone got that, that envelope, they could have taken it. And who, who's to say what would happen to them? But yeah, she, absolutely it was very traumatic for her and she almost lost her life and she had to lie about it and say that she had mm-hmm. a, you know, miscarriage because in Tennessee they're very, very strict out here about um,
1: having abortions. abortion. So. Um, well, and there, and women are being told to do that. Yeah. They're being told that if you have a complication to go to the emergency room and tell them that you are having a miscarriage, which yeah. where else in the medical world would a doctor tell you to go to a different doctor and lie about what had happened to you? That tells you that abortion is not health care because that is just that's medical malpractice.
0: And I'm sure these doctors can tell if you had an abortion or not. So it's for, for yeah. you to lie and not tell the doctor who's trying to help you the truth. That's scary mm-hmm. in itself as well. So um, I, I agree. I think we are going to see a lot more of that because you can just call somebody and get a pill in the mail. So that's... I want
1: to, Larissa, I want to clarify one more thing, too, though. Your friend who was in Tennessee, she was mistaken. Because no state in the United States currently, I don't care if you're in Texas or Florida or Tennessee or anywhere where abortion is illegal, if you are having an abortion and you are suffering complications, there is no one who is going to come after you and charge you. There is no law that comes and attacks and prosecutes women. So we just need to make sure that women know that because yeah. women are going to die out of fear that that's going to happen to them in these states and that's well, Yeah, is just that's why she took the pill the because
0: she thought she yeah. was going to be apprehended or in trouble for wanting to have an abortion. So yeah, yeah. I can totally agree with that. You know that they yeah. would think that is an easy way to get mm-hmm. it and really it's the like you said the most dangerous way to get an abortion. Absolutely. So- I'm glad we, um, you know, stated that and clarified that to help other people know that it's, you know. So the next question is, do you support any kind of restriction um, on abortion at any stage?
1: Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, I am 100% against abortion under all circumstances. That being said, I would rather see there be a 15-week ban or a six week ban, or a ban with abortion that has exceptions, then there'd be no law at all. So my personal feeling and belief is that even women who have been raped, even women who have gone through incest, even those women should not have abortion. And I have seen as an abortion worker that those women who have suffered that trauma are just compounding their trauma by having an abortion. And so abortion is not the answer in those situations. But if a state legislature is either going to have no abortion or abortion without exception, I would take the abortion without exception because there are 0.1% of abortions in our country are because of rape or incest. So if we could get, which is quite honestly still a lot. And I have friends that were the that were were babies that were conceived in rape whose mother chose life for them. So they were that 0.1%, and their lives mattered to me. But if we could eliminate all the others, you know, the 99.99, I would take that as a victory on some levels.
0: Yeah. See, that's what they use as their defense is, oh, you know, rape victims and incest. But like you said, the statistics, it's 0.1%. So to justify getting an abortion for that 0.1% is just ridiculous in my eyes. And like we said before, there, there is other options for these children yes. to have a better life to, you know, mm-hmm. cause it is murdering babies. And, um, yeah. once they realize that, then hopefully things will change as well. And um, I always ask
1: that if somebody says that to me, I always say, if we could, okay, I hear you. Let's say that we make the law that they can have it in that case, but we eliminate abortion in every other case. Would you support that? They always say no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's a straw man. It's a gaslighting. It's not an actual thing. It definitely is. It's yeah. it's the way to, to down it and to make yes. um,
0: us feel bad for those victims, which we do, you know, but it's, it's not a, a high statistics on why women are getting abortions. It's basically yeah. birth control and they're, you know, attacking everybody because they want to get rid of the nuclear family, like you said. That's right. Okay, so the last uh, mega question is, why do you feel celebrities are so vile and eager about pushing
1: abortions? Uh, Because many of them have had abortions and misery loves company. And, you know, the thing is, Larissa, if you look at the majority of the celebrities that talk about their abortion experience, they will tell you that it was the hardest thing they've ever done. They will tell you that. I mean, I've heard like Gwyneth Paltrow and all of these other people who are big proponents of it will talk about the the sorrow that they experienced afterwards. They'll talk about the regret that they experienced afterwards, the depression that they experienced afterwards. Now they'll follow it up in the next paragraph saying, "But it was the best decision that I've ever made." I would, you be know, a sin and so if I didn't have exactly. one, <laughs> you know, and and I I talked about working in the recovery room and also about the the reception area. And, you know, there was this jovial spirit in the reception area, but in the recovery room, it did not matter whether it was that woman who had had five abortions, who was coaching everybody to do it, or whether it was a woman who had five kids and was really under turmoil about this abortion decision. In the recovery room, every single woman was sad. Most of them were crying. It is the saddest place on earth because those women realize what they had done now the unfortunate thing with that is because of the mainstream media because of Planned Parenthood and all the things that are going on women are being told that not only is abortion necessary but it is empowering it's a rite of passage you have your period and then you have an abortion You need it to be successful. In the debate with Roe versus Wade, it was saying that women need abortion. Women need this so that they can be successful. And that it is not, women don't regret their abortion. It's empowering and it's great. And it's all these things. But I'm a woman who's sitting in the recovery room and I feel regret Yeah. and I feel sorrow and I feel loss. And the next day, whether I remember my procedure or not, which many women, if you have the sedation appointment, you will not remember your procedure, which is why a lot of women say it wasn't that bad. It's because they don't actually remember it. Yeah. But you still have that loss that cannot be changed. But I'm being told that I'm not supposed to feel that loss. So what do I do with that emotion? Yeah. I turn it to anger. Yep. I turn it to anger. I turn it to being mad. I turn it to be emboldened and being empowered. And this generation that's coming up behind us is looking for a reason to live, a reason to die. They're looking for something to support. That's why BLM was so crazy. That's why Antifa is so crazy. And these women are walking into Planned Parenthood feeling lost and confused and scared and being told this is the best thing for you. And when you leave, we're gonna give you a pink pussy hat and we're gonna give you a banner that you can carry and you can sign and you can say that this is empowering and now you have a platform to stand on but it's and now when you're too, angry that you can't be successful if you have children and
0: i know plenty right. of women my sister was one she was 16 when she got pregnant she is a rn you know and making all kinds of money she works for vets so you know for them to push that it It's sad, but, you know, a lot of people, we follow the stars, and, and it's really that's sad right. that a lot of people do. That's why they do do it yeah. in music and in TVs and movies and have the celebrities stand up there and read a script. Oh, it's the best thing for you. Because, I mean, and some of them, I don't even think they've ever had an abortion. They just push an
1: agenda is what I'm, yeah. that's how I'm seeing it. So yeah. it's, because it's, it's because it is the cool thing, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the transgender stuff and the, the homosexual stuff. It's the cool thing. It's the hot thing. If you if you speak out against it, you're blacklisted. Yeah. If you speak out against it, you know, everybody comes at you. And so there's a lot of fear um, in it, which is why it's so incredible when stars do actually stand up, you know, when the celebrities do actually stand up. I mean, even like doctors, OBGYNs, it, do you know how difficult it is to find a pro-life OBGYN? They will say I am a pro-life OBGYN because if they do, the American Medical Association is going to come after them and attack them. We saw that at the last convention that happened. And so for people that are making that bold stand and that are making that, you know, promoting that, we need to really support them. We need to really get behind them. And and thank them for what they're doing because their voice is rare and not being heard and, you know, hopefully changing some minds. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100 percent.
0: Well, that's the end of our time. Why don't you tell us um, and everybody where women can go to get help? um, You know, your ministries that you work for, hotlines, let them know where they can go to get some help. So if, you know, they're feeling, you know, on the fence about abortions or just get info on both sides, where can they go?
1: There's a website you can go to called ProLove.com. So P-R-O-L-O-V-E.com. That will take you to a landing page for both ministries. Oh, okay. So that will take you to, to ProLove Ministries' landing page, and, and then there were none's landing page. Um, and then there were none is, again, targeted to abortion workers. So it is only for women or men who are currently working in the abortion industry or previously have worked in the abortion industry. Pro Love Ministries is an umbrella ministry for the pro-life movement. So we have several projects. One of them is that crisis line that I talked about um, that is loveline.com. And we have um, help for women who are suffering with porn addiction. Believe it or not, a lot of women, you know, suffer with that. And so we have help for that. We have Abiding Love Charities, which is that ethical um, adoption agency that I spoke about. We have Girls Girl Scouts, why not? Many people don't know this, but Girl Scouts is one of the largest funders of Planned Parenthood. And so this organization talks about that. Um, And then there's just a, I could go through them all, but there's a lot of them. So if you're kind of looking for some resources, um, don't know, you know, what you're looking for exactly, but looking for some things, pro-love ministries, um, which again, you can get through prolove.com um, will give you help with that and uh, and if you're a woman who or man who has suffered abortion i always say this because it used to be that you could have had an abortion and it not really trigger you nowadays you can't get away from it yeah and so if you had it 50 years ago or if you had it 5 days ago you need to get help. I don't care if you've been saved the whole time, you know what I mean? You need to get specific healing to this. And so support after abortion is a great ministry with resources for women and men who are suffering with an abortion story or facilitated an abortion, drove somebody to have an abortion, um, or a child whose parent had an abortion, um, and they can help get you healing. And, And it's really important as a society that we get healed because we can't help people if we're not healed.
0: And that kind of gets me excited that you guys include the men in there too because they often get overlooked um with abortion because they don't really have a say so and then when their partner goes through it they don't have a healing process or like i said a say so in it so i'm glad that your program helps both men and women so i really appreciate it i appreciate your time kelly thank you so much for coming on to politics plus podcast make sure you guys subscribe and hit that like button and uh thank you kelly for all your hard work you do i'm so happy that we have people like you in this world because uh
1: god we need it (laughs) yeah thanks for having me on larissa yes definitely
0: in america we don't worship government we worship god
1: in the words of st athanasius of alexandria if the world is against the truth then i am against the world
0: Thank you for joining us today on Politics Plus Podcast, where we talk about politics plus so much more. For more content, make sure to follow and interact with the podcast on our official social media pages, including Getter, Truth Social, Twitter, and our Instagram page at Politics Plus podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe on Rumble, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, and Amazon Music. Join us next time for another exciting episode.